You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 8.55am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 74th program of Think Again and our 32nd remote program in the time of the coronavirus. Think Again is presented by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that's been dedicated to social change for almost 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet, and I'm your host for this program. Jennifer isn't joining us today, as I'm interviewing Claire Katsidimas and Michael Pernar. Uh, Claire is from the Community Information and Support in Moreland, uh, about nine kilometers north of the Melbourne CBD, and Michael Pernar is from Leverton Community Integrative Services, about 23 kilometers west of the CBD. That's for all of you guys, not metropolitan inhabitants. They will share with us some of their experiences and understanding of what is happening with international students who have been stranded here during the two COVID lockdowns. Welcome to the program to both of you, and thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. So, So firstly, Claire, can you tell us a bit about what is happening with international students in the moorland area? or the inner north, basically. What is their situation and why are they coming to you for help? Thanks for asking, Jacques. Um, We have an extremely diverse population of people in the city of Moreland and a diverse population of international students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all know that at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in Australia, international students were advised to go home. Um, ours couldn't. Mm-hmm. They weren't from wealthy backgrounds. They didn't have the funds to pay for flights. The flights also weren't available to return to their home countries. Many borders were already closed and it would impact upon their studies. The situation they found them in is they don't have the safety net of welfare that the rest of our Australian citizen population does. Um, The student support that they've been provided has been inadequate for the length of lockdown that we've had here in Victoria and also a lot of them haven't been eligible. We've been assisting over 200 international students with a lot of information about local services, emergency relief and what that is and how they can access it, a lot of advice, a lot of referrals to other services, a lot of advocacy to access other services food parcels, food vouchers, uh, cleaning and toiletry products, a lot of PPE as well. We've helped pay for utility bills, phone bills, internet bills so they can keep studying and more recently we're assisting them with a little bit of a living allowance Mm. so that they have some flexibility with how they spend the funds that we're providing them. So basically, you name it, we're assisting with it. Mm. My goodness. And all of that is beyond the kinds of things you usually do. 
It's within what we usually do, but it's a bit of an expansion of what we usually do in the population we assist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Michael, I'm wondering what is happening with international students on your end and the ones you are seeing in the West. Is the story sort of similar or are there some specific differences? And what sort of assistance have you been able to provide from your agency? Um, well, it's, it's very similar to the situation in Moreland, um, except that the demographic uh, spread, I suppose, is uh, we not as concentrated as in Moreland. Um, we're situated in the city of Hobson's Bay, um, but we also cover a lot of the, the Wyndham area while we've been during this uh, pandemic, um, having to go outside of our boundaries. Uh, we're, we're supporting about 50 international students on a regular basis, um, some with uh, weekly food parcels as all their finances are used for accommodation and whatnot. We're finding we're having to do a lot of advocacy for these students, um, trying to help them with their mental health. Um, a lot of them are in share houses, uh, sharing with families where there's two to three, making it very difficult to social distance. Um, so it's mainly been similar things, food vouchers, food parcels. We have four for 48 packs, we call them, which is enough food to feed four people for 48 hours. And we get them out on the day that they, uh, contact us just to, just to help them out. Um, but a lot of the advocacy has been trying to link them up with other services. We've more or less become a, a triage if you like, um, trying to get other services to support uh, these international students because I I feel that they've been let down um, uh, by the government. They've been let down by a lot of their institutions. Um, so, you know, they've had nowhere to turn and a misconception that they're all wealthy, um, you know, has, has really made it hard for them to to survive during the, during the lockdown. Mm. 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 Looks like quite terrible, actually, if you think about it. Claire, you, you told us a bit about the situation of international students and how community information and support Moreland is supporting a number of them in the northern area. It sort of, as you already have both said, it occurs to me that they have really been left out of our health and, and other responses to COVID. Could you talk a little bit more about their work and their housing situations and how these have played out with the reality of the virus? Because uh, obviously giving them a house and probably if something to eat doesn't really put them totally out of, of danger, basically. Hmm. No, and as Michael just discussed, a lot of the students they're working with are living in share houses and living in high-density sort of housing with a lot of other families crowded in houses. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a huge risk to them during the pandemic. Most of the students we've been working with have previously, and also through the pandemic, been working in the hospitality sector. Uh, they've been working in the security sector. They've been working in aged care and they've been working in uh, housekeeping in hotels and things like that. Um, a lot of them were exposed to COVID-19 during the pandemic and have um, struggled with illness uh, during the pandemic due to COVID-19. Um, and as Michael discussed, they're in share houses. So they've been sharing the their COVID-19 with the other residents of the house. It's not been ideal. And I think 
at a time when we've all been asked to stay away from each other and to not visit each other's houses, we've put these students in a situation where due to the fact that they've got no income and have been left destitute, they're having to move in with each other. Um, and that's not been great in terms of our public health response and looking after vulnerable communities. So we've had a lot of problems in that area and we've provided a lot of um, PPE equipment, cleaning equipment and all of that and education and information and advice to them around uh, having COVID-19 and keeping themselves safe during the pandemic. Mm. Yeah, that's quite, it's quite a miracle that, that there's no outbreaks which are a result of that, isn't it? Michael, have you been finding similar things in Melbourne's West at Leverton Community Integrated Services or uh, are there specific differences, for example, related to the distance they live in to the CBD, which is probably more jobs or something like that would be available? Well, I think that that's why we have a, a, a difference with Moreland's situation and our situation, Moreland being closer to the CBD and where many of the institutions operate. Um, it makes sense that the, that there would be a higher concentration of students. What we found, we did uh, uh, after the lockdowns in Kensington and North Melbourne mm. in Hobsons Bay, we have a number of um, high-rises um, where that's where the idea for the 4 for 48 packs came. But we also went one step further with uh, co-health and IPC health. We went and got a register through Tenancy Victoria of all the share houses in our area. And we went and visited about 70 odd share houses. And that's where we started discovering all these international students. And it and, and wasn't just sometimes one in a room, but multiple students living together. Um, and then they told the stories of uh, where families were supporting students and you'd have, you know, six adults in a, in a household. So it just exacerbated that whole social distancing. And not only that, it was a financial strain on those families. So we found not just have, having to help these international students, but the families that were supporting them because it was just a, a farcical situation where no government supports were forthcoming, no health care. So, you know, as you know, they haven't got Medicare or anything like that. So how do these people um, survive in an environment uh, where you have no access to health, no access to work? Yes, a lot of them came from hospitality, but we also had uh, an in uh, international students. There were a couple who had to withdraw from our childcare centre until it became free again. Um, because they couldn't afford the childcare, so they couldn't go looking for other work. So it, it was just a, a domino effect where their situation was just getting worse and worse and more reliance on social supports. And we've been lucky um, through, through CISVIC and through a lot of negotiation and advocacy to try and get those supports for those people. But it's taken us all out of, out of our comfort zone to, to really be proactive because they had no one assisting them. Mm. Goodness me, that is quite a clear example of how many of these problems, they start to accumulate and they start to interact with one another and, uh, I mean, the problems themselves. And there is actually no responses for these uh, available and readily available or for free. So it's quite amazing. I just, yeah. <laughs> 
kind of stuff you both are telling us is probably not not even known to uh, to any kinds of people who only read the age or listen to the news on the radio or something like that. Just to let that settle a little bit, let's have some music. Let Others Be the Judge of You by Martin Hulbeck. And that will be followed by a promo.
So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. You're listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio on 3.55am or streaming at 3cr.org.au. I'm interviewing Claire Gatsidimas from Community Information and Support Moreland and Michael Perner from Laverton Community Integrated Services. They are telling us about a rather desperate situation many international students continue to find themselves in during the pandemic and probably still after the pandemic or as it has sort of gone down a little bit in its intensity. As we often hear from and see or read in the media, international students have provided billions of dollars to the Australian economy ever since tertiary education was declared to be an industry. And there's a general neoliberal lament about the loss of that revenue stream, while others comment about missing their multicultural presence and the vibrancy they bring in an otherwise probably not so marvellous Melbourne. I'm wondering if and how international students reflect on this. Given our exploitation of their presence and as and a subsequent neglect of them during COVID, except for some emergency relief funds by agencies like you. So, Michael, you, you have any thoughts about this? And what do you see as our duty of care here, if I can put it that way, our including nation and, of course, us personally and as communities and, indiv- and, and individuals, as I say? Well, in my, my view, we are all community, whether they're international. I run a community centre, so everyone that resides in our community is part of our community and we're here to support them. But I also run a registered training organisation and what may not be known to a lot of people is that CRICOS is the Commonwealth Register of Institutions and Courses for Overseas Students. A lot of these registered training organisations where these people are studying um, need to have that registration as CRICOS and there are standards that need to be met. And I I bring forward standard six, which is called student support services. And I really hope that uh, post-pandemic or when things settle a little bit, that the government's going to look at some of these RTOs and really see what they did because we're hearing... They are still demanding payments for courses, late fees, um, yet they are supposed to give overseas students information on or access to an, an orientation program about living and studying in Australia, including information about safety on, on campus and while living. Other reasonable supports need to be provided, irrespective of their place or mode of study at no additional cost to the overseas students. Mm. And they need to have a critical incident management policy and ensure that there are enough staff, in addition to academic staff, to support 
and advise overseas students. None of this is occurring, except if they're with some of the major um, RTOs. Study Melbourne is been working in conjunction with the Red Cross. St Vincent de Paul has donated money to Study Melbourne to help these international students. Mm. But yet in this environment, there are still companies overseas in Bangladesh, India, um, actually recruiting students to come here, whereas these students are now actually sending messages back, don't come. Mm. They only want us when we've got the money, mm. but when we're when we're in need, they don't want to know us. So when Australia complains about, you know, the education industry falling off the cliff after COVID, well, how much of it is uh, self-inflicted? Yeah, my goodness. Claire, what are you hearing from international students about the way they are being treated or neglected? And what do you see as our duty of care as a nation and as communities? To be honest, our students have been extremely accepting of their situation. Mm -hmm. They have been amazingly resilient and I think they're doing just the most incredible job of surviving at the moment. Um, they're certainly not thriving, but they do very much feel like they are the other um, and they are frustrated at their situation. They know that they're, they're contributing funds to our economy through their student fees. They are doing the jobs uh, in our hospitality sectors, our aged care sectors, security sector that nobody else wants to do. Mm. I think we do, like I concur with Michael, they're members of our community and I don't care about your visa status. You live in our the city of Moreland, we'll help you out. Um, we should see people as uh, like that as well. It shouldn't matter what visa situation you are, what you contribute to our economy. But we do also have to acknowledge that students, international students do contribute a great deal of money to our community. I think it would have been an extremely small price for the federal government to pay to give them a living allowance or something like the job seeker, job keeper payments throughout the pandemic, especially given the situation in Victoria and the length of uh, our lockdown and restrictions compared to the other states. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, finally, we're coming almost like to the end of our program, by the way. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about what could be done to help these students beyond what is already being done and which you have just talked about. What can be done more generally or at a local service level or even personally? You probably could comment first. Claire? It would be lovely if you've got the time to volunteer at a local agency like mine or Michael's agency. We're always looking out for volunteers to help us and we are extremely busy at the moment. Uh, donations to local agencies. SISVIC uh, has a button on their Facebook page where you can donate directly to local to local agencies and we'll, who are assisting students and I can tell you that every cent goes straight to the students. Um, a bit of advocacy uh, to local MPs in your local area and also federal MPs about what you're hearing about international students and what you'd like done. But I think personally to the students, next time you're at a restaurant, say very big thanks to the kitchen hand washing your dishes, a thank you to the security guards who are keeping us safe, thank you to the people who are working in aged care and thank you to the people who make our beds when we stay in hotels because there are international students and they've done it 
really tough during this pandemic and we haven't done right by them um, and we need on a personal level to make amends with that, I think. Mm, thank you for that, Claire. And I would certainly support that kind of call out. And what would you suggest, Michael? I think Claire sort of gave a very good summary on on exactly what uh, what needs to be done, and it is that you know if if people are are coming out of COVID in a better shape, think about these people, donate, support them, give them jobs when it opens up again, give them the opportunity to get back on their feet, um, and 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 help them out because they were neglected. We didn't support them as part of our community when it mattered. Um, and, again, lobby the federal government, lobby the local uh, state government as well to, to really to remind them that they are part of our community. They are filling the jobs that others don't want to do, but they were the first to suffer when, when this pandemic um, showed itself. Mm. Thank you so much for those messages, both of you, Claire and Michael. Maybe we certainly would like to multiply or amplify uh, that kind of a message which you have just, have just given, have been giving to us. And uh, particularly, I would also say act politically because I think we're all in that kind of game. And it is a shameful kind of an exercise which our government has been playing. It just, yeah, it just baffles me that that there's not even more protests against that. We're running out of time, as I said before. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, the third issue of the of 2020 of the new Community Journal is almost at the printers. So by mid-November, it should be available and has the usual great variety of articles related to community development and particularly also, again, several articles about COVID-19 and how communities have been coping with that. Uh, with the elections crowding our attention, particularly the US, we're all sort of sitting there and, and watching whatever it is that we're watching and listening to. Uh, our attention being after this will be sort of out of the way, I hope, for a while. The COVID stuff seemingly a little bit more emotionally management, manageable. We can now concentrate on addressing the many underlying issues and problems that keep bothering us politically and as a society. So stay tuned for next week's Think Again program, where we will try and offer a little bit of a list of what should bother us about the way we're being governed or not being governed. So thanks for listening again to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast uh, and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. I would like to thank our guests today, Claire Katsirimas from Community Information and Support Norland and Michael Pernar from Leverton Community Integrated Services. And again, also thank to Clive Vaughan for his technical, technical production and for the music selection for this program. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Jailbreak, which gives, us, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and their friends. And to bring us into this program, 
we have world turning by Yuto Hindi.